Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Triple Jump podcast. It's a video game podcast. My name is Ben. My name is Peter. Hello Peter, how are you? Hello, I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you, Ben? Yes, I'm doing well. Yes. Yes, how are you? Yes. It's like in in French when you say ça va and you can say oui. Oui. Yes. Well, yes. I know that's not the literal translation. Welcome everyone to our video game podcast. It is episode 100. We've made it. What a milestone. Whoa, steady on. Jesus, it's still a bit early in the morning for me. I can't do with all these fireworks and things. It's nearly midday, but yeah, the the day fireworks were a bit much for me. Yeah. There's a lot going on there. Yeah. There's a lot going on. Now, to celebrate it being episode 100, as we said last week in episode 99... We really had no plans or intentions to do anything at all. No, However, that's right. we have subsequently decided in the video version of this podcast to be on camera. We're, we're here. We're doing it. We would do it every week, but it's a monumental undertaking, really, and it's just, it's just not worth the effort, is it, when we can just animate a PNG version of ourselves until we're back together in the same room. So we're not walking anywhere this week. We're actually no. just on camera. Looking Weird. down lenses and stuff. Looking down at you. Disgusting. So, Peter, usually we have a sponsor each and every week. Now, you would have thought the sponsors would be lining up for episode 100, the big milestone episode. They want to get their 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 product in there, front and centre, for everyone to see on this, the biggest episode we've ever done. Yeah. You would think so, but uh, you would. Maybe that's not the case because they've seen all other ninety. Well, we didn't do it from the beginning, but you know they've seen seventy episodes worth. Where suddenly sponsors seem to drop off inexplicably, and yeah. maybe they think there must be a reason for that. Maybe it's not. It's not good to be a sponsor for this company. Um, but they I, didn't. They I they didn't line up. I wouldn't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they didn't line up this week, which was kind of sad uh so i went to big boss adam pacitti and i asked him adam big boss adam pacitti do you mind terribly if we don't do a sponsor this week and instead maybe i open up my special email folder where i've got all my prestigious industry contacts in and just see 
see who might want to record maybe a little message of support for us. Right. Okay. Peter Austin, the stars, the stars are here with us. Right. Episode 100 of the podcast. I have one, two, three, four, five, five audio recordings from prestigious industry luminaries and people who we're big fans of. And I'm going to play, I think I'm going to play three of them now. Okay. Maybe we'll play another couple at the halfway point after weird news. How does that sound? That sounds great. Let me just navigate. I've got about 12 windows open here. Oh, Mm -hmm. I I suppose because it's audio form, I don't need to navigate anywhere, do I? No, uh, you should hopefully be able to just hear it. Are you ready? Uh, Yes, I am. Yes. Pending nothing going wrong, Mm -hmm. there should be no cuts here and and you should just be able to hear it. So no need to confirm if you can hear it. Just tell me if you can't hear it. Right, I will. I'll I'll do that. Yeah. Here we go. Here's, here's, Here's clip one. I'm very excited, Peter. I hope you are too. Yeah, I can't wait to see whether this is actually real or not. I don't really know. Here we go. Hi, boys. It's the favourite French video game director, David Cage, here. Just wanted to wish you a very congratulations on your big milestone reached. This cheers is to 100 more. Love, David Cage. David. Actual David Cage. There he was. He's got a really good English accent, hasn't he? I don't um, know what you're talking about. It sounded extremely French to me. No, but he just he just does a good job, is what I'm saying. You, you can tell yeah. he's you can definitely tell he's from the deepest recesses mm. of France. I mean, mm-hmm. without a doubt, he's he's there eating cheese and drinking wine. But oh, yeah. he just puts on a good. He tries to make it easy for us to understand him, just like in his video games. Just <laughs> like in his so clear, yeah. so obvious. Uh, mm-hmm. Not sort of wonky metaphors or anything like that. No, uh, I know that we're both big David Quage fans, and I thought this this guy we've got to get we've got to get him on episode one hundred. I didn't and know you had him in your email through. contacts, to be honest. But well, it's a mystery bag sometimes, Peter. I just go in there and see what's available. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's, it's sort of a lucky dip. We've got a bit of everybody in there. Yeah, never know who you're going to get. Speaking of which, are you ready for number two? I am. Here we are. Hello guys, it's Kratos from the God of War. Have a great show, and congrats on 100 episodes. What do you think of that? Kratos, I mean, I I love love how uh, aggressive Kratos sounds, as as he always does. Doesn't sound like a mild-mannered, nice man at all. No. Uh, definitely not like a, a one of the nicest, most inoffensive people we've ever had the pleasure of working with. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not how I would describe Kratos no. in any way. I would uh, say that he has perhaps been calmed uh, in fatherhood. Yeah, it's after entirely the likely. events of of God of War twenty eighteen. You know, yeah. he's, uh he's calmed down a little. But he took the time out of his busy murder schedule. Mm. To, to come and talk to us and wish us congratulations on it on 100 episodes, which I will always thank him for. It was good of him. I did know that he was in your uh, email contacts, though, because we've, we've been in touch with him before on a few occasions. So yeah. that's not a surprise to me, that one. We've worked with Kratos. It's not going to be long before we get Kratos on, what it means to me and stuff like yeah. that. So uh, keep an eye out for the, the actual God of War, more of him on the channel. Uh, finally, I've got this clip for now. Are you ready? I, I am. Here we go. Hey guys, it's Will Poulter here, star of the Dark Pictures Anthology, Little Hope. And I just want to wish Double Jump a big congratulations <laughs> on 50 episodes. Keep up the good work, lads. Is that it? Is that all I've got to do? Yeah, thank God for that. 
So there we go. That was, oh, it, took, uh, it took a couple of clicks there to press, press the stop button. Couldn't quite bring it to a close. Look, Will Poulter, busy man. He's so busy. He didn't have time for a second take um, when he no. realized maybe a, a couple of mistakes were made there. But, you know, I mean, maybe calling our do? channel Double Jump was the real mistake. Uh, and maybe doing 100 maybe. episodes was the real mistake. So Perhaps. Perhaps we're the ones in the wrong in this yeah. instance. Uh, but big thank you to Will Poulter, of course, huge megastar. Um, starred in one of the most prestigious and well-received video games of 2020, of course, Little yeah. Hope, which we did stream on the on the on the channel. It's funny because he sounded a bit like, um, you know, mm. you know, Jack from The Office. Not really, right? I don't know the, him very well. I've no, I've only met him a couple of times. But he, so Jack from The Office. I don't know if you know this. He played mm. the bus driver in Little Hope. Um, did you know, he who's a he's obviously a distinct ca- character to will polters but just a coincidence wow. really that uh you know jack sounds a bit like a, someone from little hope and they all they kind of sounded similar to will polter who played a different character completely in that game so it's true know. supermassive games do like to reuse actors after all they know, do between games so yeah. who's to say but there we are that's what we've got for now we've got Fantastic. a couple more i can't wait get to later to hear who we've got next yeah huge um, huge guests it's okay. really ex- this is going to be a really exciting episode before we get to those though peter mm-hmm. we do of course need to thank our wonderful patrons who are the real sponsors of this podcast each and every week if They're you wonderful. go to patreon.com forward slash team triple jump and donate as little as one dollar per month you get access to the question post for this podcast, where you can submit submit questions mm-hmm. for this podcast, yep. so you know maybe maybe consider doing that if you're in a position to do so. We want to thank all of you very very much. There are other tiers available, of course, uh, where you get different rewards and different access to different uh, certain things. However, the podcast post is the one you want access to if you want to ask questions on this podcast. And everyone gets access to that if they're a patron. Doesn't matter yep. what tier you are. So uh, you know, just go on there and give a dollar if you like. Our dollar. Mm. Our dollar. Speaking of people who've given potentially our dollar and maybe more, it's... Cat. Cat. Meow. That's not me saying meow It doesn't say... Cat. She didn't say meow in the, in the no. question. No, the, the, just, just to be clear. the question is not meow. Cat no. uh, says, hi, guys. Uh, I'm... I'm the middle of <laughs> Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Wow, you've oh, got an- no. another big guest on to the show wow, this week, Wow, the middle. Ben. Welcome you've got the, the middle. middle of Assassin's Creed Valhalla on. Brilliant. Uh, it says, I'm in the middle of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And while I'm enjoying it, I'm finding it's just too long. I found Final Fantasy VII Remake had the same issue. The games are just too long, and I keep thinking they'd be better if they were just cut down in size a little. Are there any games you've played that you've enjoyed but just thought were too long? Thanks for keeping us all sane in the different lockdowns. Thanks, Cat. Well, thanks, Cat. Thank you, Cat, for that question there. Have you got any, Peter? Well, Assassin's Creed Valhalla is one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Most of most of the Assassin's Creed and big Ubisoft games, I I just can't stick with them, and I don't mm. mind. I I said this last week. I mean, that's kind of uh, I guess partly why the question's been raised because we sort of touched on a similar thing last week, uh, which is that um, just I I go into those games knowing that I probably won't see them through. Um, I'll be interested to see what your experience it is in what we're playing in, mm-hmm. in today's podcast because i know you have been playing it and i, I think have. you also said last week that you wouldn't 
be surprised if maybe you eventually reached Assassin's Creed fatigue, Assassin's yes. Feeg. Yes. Um, but uh, we'll see. So that's certainly one. Um, Red Dead Redemption. Uh, I never finished that. Great game. I'm talking about the first one. Uh, didn't even really start the second one because of that reason. But, uh, you know, fantastic game. Really good world. Some interesting characters. Although I don't generally, as a rule, actually like most rock star characters. I think they're always a little bit horrible and unlikable, which I think right. they're probably supposed to be. But equally, it's quite hard for me to, you know, sit down and enjoy a story when everyone's an asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, RDR, the first one. Um and also just a bit of a bit of a wild card at the end. Haven Call of the King, that game oh. with the stupid ending. It doesn't uh, even have an ending. Well, it doesn't have an ending. Uh, if you wanted to 100% that game, which everyone wanted to do because it didn't have an ending and they thought maybe if I 100% it, then it will have an ending. Mm. Uh, that was just ridiculous. You had to like literally fly around an entire solar system almost seamlessly and circumnavigate entire planets it was fantastic technology for the ps2 i don't know how they did it like you literally would fly down from space to a planet like um no man's sky it was just like that but was just like, like that it was just like that it's just like um, it, yeah. in terms of no loading screen a whole planet to fly around but just obviously slightly less graphically impressive um and uh yeah to like hunt for these tiny little needles in haystacks uh, so I mean that's partly that's a bit of a bit of a trick answer because um, that's like to 100% the game and that's not necessarily what we're talking about here. We're probably talking about games that are just too long without even necessarily going for a platinum or 100%. But as I say, with that game, I think most people wanted to 100% it because of the nature of the ending. So it sort of counts, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh, I to echo your sentiments with uh, rockstar game protagonists. I've never. I mean, they're obviously. I agree, they're assholes, all of them. Yeah. Uh, but it's never really put me off playing the games. However, I really do have an aversion to finishing rockstar games in general. I yeah. while I think GTA Five is the superior game in a, in a lot of ways, I have far fonder memories of GTA Four, and I couldn't finish that game. I tried on a couple of occasions, and I just I just reached a point where it, where it just stretched off into the distance, and yeah. my next mission was all the way across town, and I wanted to drive there because that's half the fun of GTA, or you know, uh, cheat in a helicopter and fly there. But then on the yeah. way, you'd get distracted, and you'd start fighting people, and then you'd get busted, and it was just unless I reach a point in those games, and I did finish GTA Five this way. I reach a point in in GTA games where I have to when I finish a mission hail a cab get in it and then skip the journey just just to get to the next mission yeah because i just there's a point where there's too much traveling and and it's just taking too long to get to the next bit of story content for me so Mm -hmm. uh, for that reason i've not finished red dead redemption one i've not finished gta 4 i did finish gta 5 and i as we have documented on this podcast before absolutely bailed on red dead redemption 2 almost straight away yeah but that was mainly because i didn't really get on with the mechanics i found it too simulationy and i wasn't really enjoying myself and i saw how how far this game was stretching into the distance in terms yeah. of runtime and i just thought mm. no i can't i can't be doing that I was the same with GTA 3, what you say about GTA 4. Like, I had I had GTA 3 on PS2. Uh, great game. Absolutely loved it. Loved driving around and just, you know, having going on rampages and stuff. And I enjoyed doing the missions up to a point. And I got through about a third of the game, maybe maybe 50% of the game, something like that. And uh, 
again, I I just I couldn't bring myself to finish it. And that was back in the days where, you know, I didn't have that many games um, mm-hmm. in my possession, or at least I wasn't getting new games on a very regular basis. I maybe get a few per year, maybe, if I was lucky. Um, so you'd think that I would want to make the most out of what I had and just, you know, get to some new and interesting content, new missions and stuff. But yeah. uh, just I just couldn't do it. Yeah. There's something to be said for the fun of, of their open world games, if you can get oh, yeah. distracted that easily. But... For me, it was detrimental to the experience in the long run because I just couldn't get to the end of the story. I couldn't see where it went next because I couldn't stay focused long enough, which is a me problem, not a them problem because they're clearly extremely successful games. But those are, it's definitely a series, a couple of series that have fallen off for that reason, just because Mm. of the way they design them. Yeah, yeah, Uh, definitely. I've also got The Last of Us Part 2, which we talked about in our Game of the Year show. I feel like that probably could have could have had like maybe five or six hours shaved off it in the mm-hmm. end i'm ultimately glad that it was the length that it was but i you know i do wish it had been maybe a little shorter in in some areas uh, as you said most ubisoft open world games kind of lose me almost immediately just because they're so dense and there's too much in them and persona 5 as much as i love that game just stretched on and on yeah that's and true while I love the day-to-day sort of going to school, working a part-time job, studying in your spare time, you know, the, t- the time management stuff I really like. But being stuck in these massive palaces, which is sort of the big combat areas of the game that, are, that happen every, I don't know, 10 hours or so of, of game time uh, and where you fight the big bosses and stuff. Yeah. Towards the end... They just stretched on. There were sort of like four or five different points where I felt like the game was coming to a close and then it kept going. But it wasn't It wasn't sort of um, uh, interspersed with the what I considered the fun but probably mundane stuff of actually living a, a normal life on the side. It was just... It was just battles, like big boss battles one after another and then having to fight through loads of really tough enemies and then get to the next boss battle. And it it just... I really wish that game had, had not had that stuff towards the end. I don't think, you know, it should have been quote-unquote easier, but I do think that I, I started to tire of it towards the it end, which bloated. is really sad. Yeah, exactly. I, and I seem to remember the, the design of those palaces as well i mean i only i didn't actually play it i sat and spectated most of it because my girlfriend played through it but um i seem to remember them being really quite boringly designed it was just kind of the same corridors or just the same uh i mean maybe i'm maybe i'm wrong there but yeah i I remember them not even being that interesting to go through i know overall it's quite a visually interesting game because of the Mm. way it presents even just its hud and stuff like that but the actual levels uh, in those palaces seem to just kind of be lots of very similar looking corridors filled with the same enemies over and over. Yeah, when you first arrive in them, it's it's sort of, it's interesting. So, oh, this one's sort of Egyptian pyramid right. themed and this one's a, a museum and you go into the works of art and stuff, but they just, the the further into the game you get, the longer those palaces get, the longer you spend in them, the more complicated they are and honestly, the less fun they are and they are designed so that you can reach a safe point in the in the palace and leave for the day and come back whenever you want just before like the arbitrary deadline that the game sets in you know on a a real calendar Mm -hmm. um for you to complete the the dungeon but ultimately towards the end of the game i found myself just trying to do it all in one go 
And yeah. uh, I, th- I think probably a few other people found themselves in that position. I do still want to play Persona 5 Royal. It's my intention to play it after I finish this. But from what I understand, it adds the good stuff, like an entire other sort of um, season of school in there and stuff like okay. that. So I'm interested to play that and I'm looking forward to revisiting it because I haven't played it since it came out um, when I played it for review. So just before it came out, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... And I'm 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 ready to go through it again, but th- that was definitely a game that I felt like just just was a bit too long, yeah, just a bit too long that one, mm. which is a shame. Well, talking about games that we didn't play because they were a bit too long, or yeah. didn't finish, yeah. There's maybe time to talk about games that we are playing right now that yeah. maybe are still too long if we're still playing Assassin's Creed, or yeah. maybe aren't too long if it's perhaps like a really short demo that was like ten minutes long. Uh, yeah, who's to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's what we play in. <clears throat> it's what we play in time. Time to talk about what we play in. Peter, what are you playing? Uh, well, I have played that very short demo this week. Uh, the Resident Evil Village demo. Um, Ooh, I can weigh in on this too. Yeah, I know you can. Yeah, which I didn't necessarily expect uh, when <laughs> I saw that it had been um, released on the PS5, the demo. Uh, exclusive to PS5, uh, and also I should I should add we were talking about um, Resident Evil Village. I think it was on the podcast, or maybe it was on a stream. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and I think we were saying like, "Oh, do you think we'll play it? Will we not play it?" I think mm-hmm. I want to play even more now that I've seen what there is, and I don't even mean the demo necessarily. I just mean from the showcase that uh, that was done um, this week, time of recording, but. Uh, one of the things that I think you said was if it's first person like Resident Evil 7 was, you're not yeah. sure whether you'll be able to play it or not. So I'll be interested to see whether you're still feeling that way. Which um, subsequently, like I immediately realized I could have Googled this and in one minute found out that it was definitely first person again. Yeah, because um, I think neither of us had maybe seen footage of it for a while. Um, but I think they yeah. actually revealed fairly early on that like some kind of first person uh yeah game gameplay style stuff even if it wasn't actually gameplay it was to, meant to illustrate i guess that the game was going to be first person so yeah first person mm. um so uh the, the the demo came out on ps5 and uh hey i found it very scary and i found it very scary in the sense uh that resident evil 7 made me the most scared which was in its sound design more than anything mm. else um, I didn't think actually that many scary things ended up happening in the demo. There was like maybe one major jump scare, which was just an environmental thing that happened quite early on, which you know got me pretty good. And then after that, there was a lot of tension. I was doing a lot of like uh, uh, creeping around corners. <laughs> What's going to yeah. be in here? Uh, but actually, like there weren't really. There was nothing too monstrous. I didn't think nothing. No sort of horrific abominations. Um, just a couple of, I mean, no, no, no major spoilers for those who still, still haven't played it, but, uh, you know, a couple of, couple of people, um, Mm. but, um, just the way that the, they do sound design in, in those games and maybe, uh, you know, this is now a standard across all, uh, sort of mainstream AAA horror games. I don't play really any others, so I wouldn't know. So all I've got is Resident Evil to compare to, but, um, the, as far as I'm concerned, Resident Evil 7, one of the scariest things about it was just the way that they uh, utilized sound effects and stuff in that game. You'd be walking around the mansion, um, 
and uh, there'd be all sorts of creaks and groans, and it would be like sounds that you've never heard before, even though they're all just in the library of ambient sounds that that game has uh, had put into it. Um, there would always be some sort of new sound, it seemed. So mm. you would always be hearing these things, thinking, what is that? Does, is that because I've triggered something now? And it wasn't. It was just a sound that was happening. And uh, I felt like there was a lot of that, even in the very short demo, Um that that we've we've been playing this week uh even just they put sounds in there that it's actually your own say it's like your own footsteps for example or it's the sound of a door creaking and closing behind you so there's a reason for that sound to be happening um but you don't necessarily expect it so you hit if you turn on the spot as you would in real life your feet shuffle slightly under your underneath you and i found that when i was standing just looking around if i turned more than about 90 degrees there would be like a step and i'd be like oh what was that you know so Mm -hmm. really well done and i just can't wait to play more of it and uh it really just got me excited for a potential resi 4 remake which i'm sure is going to happen i still don't think they've officially said that is happening uh or I'm, i'm pretty sure they haven't uh but i think in the fandom and the people who uh big Resident Evil stands on Twitter and stuff. Um, there's a big like rumor mill going. It's not just the case of like, well, they've made the other ones. They'll probably do that one next. I think there's actually sort of leaky things and bits and bobs of rumors that are saying, no, we think it actually is in production right now. So that's very it was, exciting. It was compromised in the big hack um, as, right. well as, as well as many other okay. story moments and big plot points of resi 8 so be careful if you're online and you're you're looking at stuff i already know sadly more about what happens to the main antagonist of this game than i wanted to and that was just sort of a reply to someone's comment on imja so be careful if you're on the internet and want to avoid spoilers because it's all out there it's all online oh no i don't know anything fortunately so i'll I'll yeah tread tread lightly not long not long to go may is it i think it's may yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of middle of the year, maybe, something like that. Um, yeah, I think yeah. it is May. Um, so uh, as much as I was keen to play some more Horizon this week, actually also I ended up um, playing some Resident Evil 4 instead oh, on PS2. Nice. Um, I, didn't, I didn't want to get myself into a, a whole playthrough because there's you know a fair few hours of that game. But uh, I just played... I played a little bit of the opening act in the village uh had had a couple of sessions playing that and then i did some um of the uh, mercenaries mode which is a kind of uh, almost mini game style thing where you just get plonked down in a uh in a certain area of that game and uh, it's just kind of wave waves of enemies come at you like a horde mode thing so uh mm-hmm. i just couldn't really help myself because that was the other thing i took away from that demo uh, which was um not only has it got me excited for a potential remake of Resi 4, uh, but also uh, the way that game is, as many people have said up to this point, I mean, it's called Resident Evil Village. It's set in a kind of seemingly European medieval-ish village with a castle there. And, uh, you know, it. although it's clearly set in modern times because of some of the things you see lying around, it's got a very old archaic feel to it so uh 
just sitting and, and playing uh, the demo just made me think, oh man, Resi 4 was great, wasn't it? So I just ended <laughs> up having to scratch that itch and go and play that instead. So that's actually what I've done. I've had a, in terms of what I've been playing this week, it's just all been uh, a big old oh, Resident Resi. Evil week. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I was really impressed with the demo. Mm-hmm. I, it's, this, is, this is weird, right? I didn't actually play it myself. But it was played on my console via SharePlay, and I watched someone watched else play it. it. Yeah, uh, through you know, just sort of glancing out the you know the corner of my eye. I didn't really want to look at it too closely uh, because it was inherently very frightening. Absolutely beautiful game. Yeah, it again, is. and I think it really benefits from that new castle setting because as as gorgeous as Resi Seven was in first person, it was bloody ugly and horrible you know the mm. place you were in just a yeah. horrible decaying house mm. and uh very dark and, most of the time yeah as very well. dark and dank but like seeing the the engine really put through its paces in sort of quite a vibrant uh castle type environment was was really yeah it was something it was something to behold it was very mm. pretty i do of course have to ask you what you make of everyone's obs- fawning obsession with uh is it is it lady Dimitrisu, I think. I can't remember remember exactly what it was. I only saw it once written down. Um right. see I I was I was kind of hoping you'd bring this up actually because okay. I personally mm. I don't really get it in terms of I mean if, if, I don't know. Like people didn't go you know, people didn't talk about like Jill Valentine or or well whoever, you know, uh, Claire mm. maybe I should say from from Resi 2 who's also, you know, an attractive Resident Evil character. Uh, but it's, I think it's it's partly people are doing it for the memes and yeah. uh, also because she's, like, nine feet tall. Maybe that just makes it funnier. Kotaku confirmed she's eight feet tall. Eight feet tall. Sorry. sorry. Excuse sorry. me. Yeah, you should be sorry. Uh, but, yeah, I've seen I've seen all this, like, going on, and it's like, you know, I, I found the uh, the Mr. X stuff funny where it was more just about how relentless and, and mm. terrifying and he will just walk through a wall to get you sort of thing. Mm. Um, but just to have all these people swooning over Lady Lady Dimitri, which is not what it is, um, yeah. I don't really understand it, but, you know, <laughs> fine. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to y- yuck anyone's yum. No, of um, course not. I I didn't initially understand it because I had I'd only seen stills of her and I was like, that's a lady in a hat, and that was yeah. sort of where I left it. Just just a lady. Um, and then it was it was brought up on on my stream last week, and I was like, oh, I don't I didn't know there was because I hadn't watched the showcase because right. part of me had forgotten that it was even happening, and another part of me thought that sounds a bit like it's a bit much for me. I don't know if I can really yeah. enjoy that, so I didn't watch it, um, and. Then I started seeing the memes and I actually got quite on board with it and thought it was quite funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole sort of, you know, the, I don't know if you saw the meme that was going around on Twitter about the new ESRB rating for Resident Evil. No. Rated S for Step On Me. Right. And so okay. on and so forth. And it was it like genuinely there's been some really funny video game, you know, related memes that have come out of this uh, this obsession with her. And then when I when I played through the demo yeah. and it got to the end, I was like, oh, oh, OK. Yeah. I, yeah. I can't. I kind of get it. I kind of get it. I, it's just, I, I think it's just because she's so big. I think that's the, the novelty of it for a lot of people. And exactly. that's sort of where the humor is. I can get behind memes that say rated S for step on me because that's mm. kind of that's that's funny. But I think there's also just a subsect of people just saying like, oh, my God, wow, like, oh, I can't wait to play that. How am I supposed to play this game when 
you know like how am i supposed I'm, to concentrate like you know i'm meant to be running away from this character but i just want i don't mind if she catches me sort of thing i mean even that right. is a bit tongue-in-cheek but you know yeah. like some people are really just saying like oh yeah she oh she's well fit you I know, haven't seen any sincere worship okay. of, of her. It's, it's mainly been comic. I think there's an underlying sort of uh, sincerity to it, but I think mm. mostly it's poking fun. And I, I, I've been quite enjoying the memes, to be honest. Yeah. You know, like the, the first person perspective when she's grabbing you by the neck and lifting you up. And then it, the, the next panel of the meme is showing just like uh, someone holding up a chubby pet rat. And it's got right, sort of like yeah. a woo, a woo PNG over the top of its face mm-hmm. and stuff. I don't know. I think it's funny. I've yeah. I've been really enjoying it. And uh, yeah, that, that stuff's that stuff's all uh, all fun and games. Yeah, mm. but yeah, it, it looks great. You know, mm. the 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 whole ge- the whole game outside of the good lady. Yeah. Um, and it's very Resident Evil as well. You know, you find that ring and then you have to examine the ring and you take the eyeball off the ring and then you put the eyeball in a statue. You know, it's all. It's all par for the course, but it, it looks great, and I'm I'm very excited to um, experience it, even if I don't play it. It's still mm. one of my most anticipated games this year in a very yeah. sort of warped way. Mm. Uh, so it should be good. There's going to be a merchant in there. Is that that's no that's not a leak or a or a spoiler, unless people are literally don't want to know anything about this game. But then why you're listening to us discuss the demo? Uh, mm. But yeah, the, uh, so again, another Resi Four vibe there. Um, so it really feels like they're testing the waters for a game that they're, well, I mean, I guess already committed to making, but, uh, I guess (laughs) if not testing the waters, then warming us up, giving us a little aperitif. But, um, yeah, there's a, a a guy who will be selling you guns in, out in the village or whatever. So, uh, he's, he's a different guy seemingly. Um, but it, it's certainly evoking all your, you know, hello stranger kind of vibes. Yes. What are you buying? What are you buying? Hmm. Yeah, sounds exciting. Good. Honestly, it sounds very good. Uh, hopefully, Capcom can can keep up the momentum that they've had for the past couple of years because they've been yeah. on a on a real roll. On a Such real a good engine. Roll. The engine yeah. does so Absolutely. much work for them. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but beyond that, uh, I've also played some Warzone. I've played some Zombies. I've played uh, The Evil Within, mm-hmm. uh, and that game. You know, it didn't review brilliantly at the time. It didn't review poorly, but it, I don't think it was everyone's uh, cup of tea. <clears throat> Excuse yeah. me. It certainly wasn't the return to form for Shinji Mikami that I think a lot of people wanted it to, wanted it to be. Uh, the sequel was apparently significantly better, but yeah, this it's just a bit wonky and a bit weird and rubbish, and the story's kind of all over the place, and you know, it's all it all uses a lot of sort of tropes that horror games had done way before about yeah. you know, it's just. Is it all in his mind? Is it's his guilt manifesting, and it's like I, sure, okay, we've do, we've right. done this before. I'll go play Silent Hill, but thanks very much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it, it has its merits and it does stuff well, but it's not, it's not brilliant, anyway. right? Um, so that's the evil within. Obviously, I'm still playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Mm-hmm. I am now 33 hours into oh, it. Jeez, and wow. I've reached a point where it seems the story is coming to a conclusion. And I know that because the the PS5 cards very helpfully tell me I'm 80% oh, yeah. of the way through Eivor's journey or whatever. I forgot about the cards. I've not really been uh, using them. Yeah, I, d- I didn't check them on purpose. I just saw it pop up. And I'm like, oh, okay, mm. that's genuinely helpful. But the, the basic layout of Assassin's Creed Valhalla is that you're traveling from your little uh, settlement to various places around districts and shires and kingdoms and so on and helping people out 
in the hope that you can become friends and secure an alliance so that when mm. the time comes, you can call on that alliance should you need it. I've reached a point in the game where I can call on my alliances and I do need to. However, there are still shires and areas that need to be, that can be approached and sort of brought into the fold. Right. And, you know, part of me thinks I, I, I definitely could just, just charge through to the end of the game now and just finish it. But there's also a part of me that thinks I kind of want all of the shires on board. With <laughs> yeah. Me. And it's at this point that I'm thinking, do these shires need to be here, especially if I can just go ahead and finish the game? Uh, I'd like that, going back to our first question. It's just, it just seems to stretch off into the distance. This game it just keeps yeah. going and going. And if I come across one more door that's barred from the other side, I am going to scream because I am so fed up of running round every side of a building, desperately trying to spot a way in. That's You're not obvious Viking. at all. Just chop it down. <laughs> I know. I know. And I've got various abilities now that make the combat way easier, like ridiculously easy, mm. several of which are arrow based. And you would have thought one of those arrows can definitely get through that door and smash the crappy lock on the other side. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I, I am genuinely enjoying it. That's the thing. As I said last week, as, an, as a Viking game, it's really fun. And it yeah. does strike that balance between the sort of the... I don't want to say arcadiness, but the video gameness in terms of its in, of it being enjoyable that The Witcher Three had, um, and also the realism, but not necessarily the enjoyment factor that Kingdom Come Deliverance had in terms of being right. set in a real place, and it's interesting to see the original names of these settlements, and mm. you know, obviously they're a lot closer than they were than they are in real life, and they're probably a lot smaller than they than they were at that time as well. But it is fascinating to go to, say, Oxenfordshire or yes. go to Nor Norwich and have it spelled Northwich. Snottingham, yeah, exactly. Leicestershire and stuff. It's genuinely interesting, like, and I mm. like that a lot. And again, kudos to Ubisoft and, and the worlds that they can create. But it's just too big and it's yeah. so overstuffed that I do really believe that a more streamlined experience would, would just be far better. And I've been playing it as if it's a streamlined experience and it still feels too big. Yeah. And so I'm near the end. Hopefully I'll be finishing it this weekend and I'll be able to say that on the whole, I did enjoy my time with it. And I'm uh, I'm glad that they, they did this time period and I'm interested to see where they go next. But I still think that it's just too big. It's too long and too bloated. Mm, yeah. yeah. Which is a oh, shame. Well, that's good though that, you know, you you think you will at least be able to finish it. So that's yeah, good. I think, and I will go back to it when I've not got a bunch of other games that I just, I know I would rather be playing right now. <laughs> yeah. Like wh why would I no. sit and go through hours and hours of Assassin's Creed when I've got, you know, other stuff in the in the queue. So yeah. I, I will go back, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, completely, like, the off, unexpected question maybe I've got for you. Where mm. do you think that they might, or when do you think that they might go next with another Assassin's uh, Creed game? Given the sheer number of ruins in this game, I'd quite like them to go to Rome during Rome. the Roman Empire. I was going to say, uh, I'm trying to think, like, what, what they time done. periods, <laughs> yeah. like pop Ancient culture. Greece. Yeah, so they've done Renaissance, they've, Victorian Britain, done uh, Egypt, Revolution um, France, America. Uh, they've done, yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, the, in terms of like big popular, I guess they've not done. Um, they've not done like anything in the Far East, have they? Yeah, have they done like like no Japan? They haven't done that. I think there were some spin-off games that have been set there, but they haven't been full entries. And I think, you know, there could be an argument that Ghost of Tsushima has, has sort of 
is stolen their thunder a little yeah. bit perhaps in that regard but i'd still be interested in seeing a, a game set there however again you know it's i still don't think it's on the same level as the witcher 3 specifically Mm. But I do think that they've really found a niche here that I think they should double down on. I think they should explore other periods in medieval European history. Yeah. Uh, and and just just lean into those green rolling hills, my dude. Uh, it's nice. It's a nice world to be in. And I would like it is. I'd like more of that. Um I, I almost wish and they're not gonna do it now, maybe ever, or certainly not for a long time, having just done Valhalla, but I had always hoped they would do a, a just like slightly pre-Roman Britain at some point, mm. like kind of Celtic, you know. Yeah. I thought that would be really interesting before the Romans arrived, and it was just a bunch of uh, kind of essentially warring tribes up and down Britain. But you yeah. know that that's definitely not going to be able to happen now for a long time. Otherwise, it would just be almost the same. Imagine uh, if we got a third game set in Britain. Yeah, look at <laughs> us. We're we're somehow. In a, in a lot of instances, we're still positioned as kind of the bad guys. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. It's really impressive. Mm. Uh, yeah, we'll but yeah, I, I honestly like I I will. You know, I've I've talked a lot of smack about Assassin's Creed and Ubisoft in particular, and I do think a lot of it is well deserved. But I will. I'm happy to admit that I was wrong about Valhalla, and mm. on on balance, I'm enjoying it a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah, um, there's good. still definitely a lot of the problems that I knew there would be going into this game, which mm-hmm. is precisely the reason I was hesitant to even play it. But on on balance, I have had a really good time with it, and uh, when it's done, I'll I'll I think I'll need to just hop into the next big game because there will be sort of it's become part of my daily routine now. Yeah, going in and you know like a big game that dominates a lot of your time tends to do. It's sort of. You, you think about it when you're not playing it and stuff, and uh, and so I th- I'll need something to replace it with uh, pretty quickly, yeah. I imagine. Yeah. But uh, there we are. That's what I've been playing. Well, should we move on to a question? I suppose we should. And this is from Bonoffi. It comes from Bonoffi. Delicious. What is the most you've ever laughed with a game, finding its intentional humour just right? Conversely, what is the most you've ever laughed at a game when it unintentionally tickled your funny bones? Hmm. Um, I actually sort of struggled to think of that many games that... um, There's plenty of games that go for a, a comedic kind of vibe, but... I was trying to think of any that have like really made me kind of laugh out loud at moments. You know, it's quite often. I think when you're sitting playing a game on your own, you'll do a lot of, <laughs> even if you find it yeah, really funny. The nose be, snort there. Yeah, just an internal like, oh, that's a good joke. I really yeah. like that. Um, but I did think of um, Portal and Portal 2. I think Portal 2 especially. I think I, I laughed out loud yes. consistently. That's or, a very or good show, actually. Frequently yeah. um, at both of those games. I think they're so well done. They're very self-aware they subvert certain tropes um the the characters are really well uh written you know like the the dialogue and, and the way these characters have been designed cave johnson as well you know obviously you initially you go to the likes of glados and wheatley but you know cave johnson as well was a great character mm-hmm. um and uh an excellent performance so port two i think is is up there also Again, bit of a bit of a weird answer, but like G mod, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think uh, d- just doing silly things in the actual sandbox mode. I know that's not sort of written humor in terms of like the creator, but uh, even things like prop hunt, 
you know, that's a bit more intentional kind of humor on the part of whoever came up with Prop Hunt. And I have laughed many times playing Prop Hunt with friends, just, you know, watching a vending machine run down a corridor <laughs> while someone's like screaming over live chat in your ear. Yeah. Like that's, uh, you know, again, so it's a different thing. It's not like I'm laughing at dialogue or like something that's been written into a, a screenplay or whatever the video game equivalent is. But um, yeah, so Portal 2 is, is my main answer. But Gmod as well, I've had many, many laughs with. Yeah. Yeah. What about you for games you have laughed at? Uh, that you know laughed with yes laughed with um it's it's difficult because there aren't there aren't many games that sort of outright pursue comedy they're either sort of light-hearted like mario where they have sort of asides or they have moments of levity and sometimes a slightly more serious plot like uncharted for example where Mm, they clip to each other and stuff but there aren't many that are just sort of position themselves as comedy games it was harder to answer than i expected when i first read the question you don't, it's not really a genre that exists with video games. You don't get mm. comedy video games because inherently they're usually taking the piss out of video games. And by virtue of that alone, they're not very good video games because yeah. they're, you know, like Saints Row does it all the time mm. where they'll say, go collect 30 of these things. And your character will go, really? 30? You couldn't just get them yourself? And it's like, haha, that's poking fun at video games. But ultimately, I'm still having to collect 30 of these. And like you've Deadpool. just made me aware of how silly this is. Yeah. Did you play the Deadpool game? That no, was a I didn't. Bit like that. I didn't play the Deadpool game. That though. was really it, they kind of over Deadpooled it. I found like it was right. you know he's constantly breaking the fourth wall. He's talking to I don't think he necessarily. I can't remember if he actually addresses the player, but he talks about the fact that he's in a game mm. and that like all these tropey things are happening. But it's still like okay, that's funny, but for God's sake, like now I've got to do that thing because they had to include it in this game so that he yeah. can take the piss out of it. So and yeah. you're just hyper aware that. Your, what you're doing is a waste of time. Yeah. Because they, if the game points that out, then it's then it feels even less worth your time than before. Mm. Yeah. So doing comedy in games is hard. And there are a few comedy games that I've enjoyed that I would say are more comedy, but they're direct adaptations from basically cartoons, comedy cartoons, South Park games. The South Park games, the two right. RPGs were very good. Obviously, The Simpsons Hit and Run is a classic that a lot of people love. Don't think it's made me laugh out loud. I think South Park maybe made me a couple of times. Yeah. But that, you know, that's about it. In terms of a game that has made me laugh, though, I'm fairly sure Borderlands 2 has made me laugh out loud. The same Mm. with Tales from the Borderlands. I really enjoyed both of those games and they got the the humour bang on, but it was humour set within its own world, with its own characters and its own set of rules rather than, oh, Go go collect forty of these, you yeah. scrub, and mm. you're like, well, why am I doing this? And like, oh, I don't know. Collecting things is boring, isn't it? Anyway, have you're fun. In a game. <laughs> yeah, which is sort of the sadly the direction Borderlands Three tended to take a bit more. Uh, but right. Borderlands Two and Tales from the Borderlands were both just just really funny games set in that universe. Mm. And I I know Borderlands humor isn't for everyone, and uh, a lot of people find it a bit over the top or just not funny. Uh, but Tales from the Borderlands in particular. What has been cited to me by a few people as uh, a game that they they really enjoyed and thought was really funny, but they hate Borderlands. So yeah. if you're able to play that one, I would recommend it because it is genuinely a really funny game, and, uh, and and I liked it a lot for sure. Yeah. So uh, what about a game that isn't meant to make you laugh but has? Well, we've played plenty together. Mm, um, mm-hmm. You know, all of our David Cage experiences on the joint streams, Blaze It, um, and the Dark Pictures Anthology games, I think they've all 
had their moments where I'm pretty sure they weren't really going for humor in the in those moments, but we you know had a good laugh at. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've actually I've written a, a list of moments off the top of my head um, in worst games ever where we both cracked up and were sort of wiping away laughter juice from our eyes, you know. Yeah. Um, which I'll I'll get to in just a moment. But outside of worst games ever, because that's just a bottomless pit of unintentionally funny games. Um, there's a little Britain DVD game, which is not really a video game, but you know, yes. honorable mention. Yeah. Uh, that's probably the most we may have ever laughed on a video together. Mm-hmm. Um, and also you're in the movies, which is more of a video game. That was, that was very funny, but to quickly mention a few highlights from worst games ever, um, prison break. When we ran past that guard in just in right in front of his face in the basement. Do you remember? We just like, yeah. And he, he didn't see us. It just that did because we went fast enough. Yeah. Was that prison um, break or was that a way out? That one. That was Prison Break. Was it? Yeah. Same yeah. game. Same game. Yeah, pretty much the same game. <laughs> uh, Little Britain, the PS2 game, had a couple mm-hmm. of moments in there, which, I mean, some of it was just us going, I can't believe this was made, but yeah. also it was just such a badly done game. Um, Sonic 2006 with the whale, mm. the, the orca going through the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe swinging around your sister as a weapon. Yes. That was pretty fun. Uh, demon summoner the hovering vampire as the ship pulls away from the mm. dock uh jumper griffin story had a couple <laughs> of really janky moments with like cars and helicopters and stuff yeah. just crashing flying around um some of all fears as well that's the yeah. one that's on our um our channel trailer at the moment with the guy who tries to shoot us when we open the door and actually demon summoners on there as well so that was just a an initial, as I say, off the top of my head, there's plenty more out there. I think there were some uh, big moments in um, America's 10 Most Wanted where we really had a few laughs. But yeah. um, just just all of worst games ever, really, is probably my answer for, for that second part. Definitely. Go and watch mm. those. Go and yeah. watch those videos. Uh, I have laughed at a lot of terrible FMV games that have recently mm. been sort of returning to prominence. Uh, games like Late Shift and the Shape Shifting Detective. I've had people over and played through those, and you just you just drink and you laugh and you make the worst decisions possible because the acting yeah. is ropey, the writing is terrible, and I unironically love those games. Anything new that Wales Interactive releases, I'm buying it because I need mm-hmm. I need to experience it because yeah. they're they're all so inherently not very good and it's they're brilliant and i love them and uh so those games have made me laugh a lot one that came to me last night actually that i've just added on here is death stranding oh yeah that's a game that takes itself extremely seriously while Mm -hmm. also not taking itself very seriously like a lot of the characters will including norman reedus's character will wink and nut like just straight a wink at the camera from time (laughs) to time it's like you, you know how stupid all this is right and there's there's one point towards the end which i am now going to talk about and if you haven't played death stranding and you really want to spoilers for death stranding there's a point because there's 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 a lot of imagery about beached whales and going to beaches and stuff Mm. and you know the the upside down and the nether and the, the inverse and whatever you want to call it 
and you're ru- you're running along. You've just rescued your your sister slash the president slash your love interest. It's like it doesn't. I can't remember the specifics. Slash your love interest. Did yeah. you just say sister slash love yeah. interest? Yeah. Okay. Because I think there's some that I don't honestly. I can't remember the full details, but it it fits into that vague category where it's sort of like they care about each other a lot, and some of it's. Some of the stuff you've learned is not true, and some it's just Kojima being him, you know. Yeah. There's a bit where you rescue her, and she says, um, "I've got." In fact, I'm going to look up the line right now because I don't think I can okay. do it justice. Um, <laughs> uh, Death Stranding. Right here we go. So, uh, <laughs> there's a Reddit thread here that says, "Can someone walk me through the princess beach scene?" So I'm going to try and find the actual line. Um, here we are. So you rescue her and she she turns to you and says something like, yeah, like Mario and Princess Beach. What? And then, and then they run together along the beach in like slow motion laughing and stuff. And it's so ill-fitting for what has happened in the game up until that point and what is going on around them at the time and yeah. it's just it's just the most comed- unintentionally comedic thing i've ever seen even if she just said yeah like mario and princess peach like it's like why why would you say something like that in you know if it's in some ways meant to be a very serious game i know in other ways it's not but mm. you know in this very gritty horrible world why would anyone say oh thanks for rescuing me like mario and princess peach Mm-hmm. But then to add in the weird beach pun because it's a kind of a beach related game with yeah. beach imagery. Jesus Christ, that's very weird. From what I remember, you just had a boss fight. I'm looking at stills now. Norman Reedus is covered in blood. He doesn't even have a name anymore. He's just Norman <laughs> Reedus, the the actor. Mm-hmm. And he the the caption is run and the lady says, "Yeah. Like Mario and Princess Beach." And then they run. And then they run on the beach together. Lovely. And it's just, just like the, Mario did. And Princess Beach. And, and it's, Princess it's Beach. just the weirdest out of the blue. I just laughed at it because I was like, this is just it was at this point that I was way beyond the pale of playing it past where I was enjoying it. And I was mm. playing it out of spite, as I've spoken about on this podcast before. Because people yeah. took issue with what we were saying about Death Stranding. So I was like, fine, I'm gonna finish this bloody game, and then I can say whatever I want about it, and no one can no one can say, Well, you know, you gotta play it. You've not played it long enough. You know, it gets really mm. good at hour fifty or whatever. Yeah, remember when people were saying that? Oh, it's it'll be really good if you put in like <laughs> literally four dozen hours. And then I got to Prince Princess Beach, and I was like, This is just how can anyone <laughs> how can anyone Look at this and think this is just Kojima's best work. Yeah. This is the best thing he's ever done. Thank, oh, thank God he went out on his own and was finally able to produce things without he's a being mad limited. Man. But, yeah. Someone needs to keep him in check. He makes they things do. like this. I mean, God knows what he's doing now. I mean, oh. I shudder to think what is next. I await it Hideo. with interest. Um, mm. Much interest. But yeah, those those were some games that I laughed at that I don't think he wanted me to laugh at. For sure, yeah. Um, the Dark Pictures anthology games as well, definitely. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. meant to laugh at those, and yet we did. We did, yeah. Anything oh, yeah. really that has its like has narrative uh, 
a branching narrative like that and it's not a game that you play in terms of moving people around as as much as just making decisions Hmm. um you know even like hidden agenda i know that's not it's not dwavid levels or dark dark pictures levels but i'm pretty sure we had a few laughs at hidden agenda thinking this is yeah, it's still a bit weird, or you can make mm. it weird, I suppose, games like that. You have the agency to just do yeah. strange Mess and silly things. It. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, Peter, it's time to move on to something a little strange. I'm just, my prop is not on my desk. Let me just... Let me fetch my prop. I have my prop. Uh, here we go. Are you ready? Yeah. It's time for Weird News! I didn't actually say Weird News! Weird News! Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's weird news time. Peter, what is your weird video game news? Let me just bring it up for you right now, Ben. Okay, this, okay, th- okay. This is according to thegamer.com. Ooh. So it must be video game news. They actually did a perfectly good write-up for this on Kotaku, but I just thought, hey, let's not just always go to Luke Plunkett. You know, give him a, <laughs> let him have a break at some Big point. Big Luke. So I deliberately just Googled it elsewhere so I could get a different write-up, mix mm-hmm. it up a bit. Um, Microsoft patent might make chatbots out of dead people. Ah, uh, what? Subtitle. So Microsoft might be about to make chatbots out of dead people, according to a new patent. Really just rewritten the headline there into a subheading. Uh, This has actually been written by someone called Sean Murray, I've just realized. Oh. I'm assuming it's not the same Sean Murray from the video game world who brought us the fantastic launch of No Man's Sky. Yes. Um I think Flawless. it's the same guy. I think it is. I think he uh, he's not allowed to make games anymore, so he's just resorted to video game journalism. That's it. Um, so I don't know if this article is going to use the words. Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll get. Well, I'll leave it then until we get there. Okay. Um, so 
There's a weird thing that happens on the internet these days. It used to be that people died and then had all their stuff distributed to their survivors like family pictures, journals or whatever else they kept. Now, a lot of that stuff gets posted online and basically free for anyone to see. And then, when you die, that stuff just sits there, maybe forever. So obviously talking about your data and your social media presence. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, This means that there's a growing amount of data that could be used to make something new. Something like a chatbot, for example. Microsoft's Microsoft's latest patent, as reported by The Independent and Kotaku, it says in brackets, thank you, (laughs) is basically a piece of software that would take someone's social media data and turn it into a chatbot. That includes things like images, voice data, social media posts, electronic messages, that's in a quote from, I guess, from Microsoft, um, and whatever other detritus that person posts online. For some reason, the patent includes a picture of a... for some reason, the, the patent includes a picture of a tablet. So I guess the one of the images with the, with the patent has a tablet on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the patent is mostly about software rather than hardware. Artificial intelligence would collate all that data on a person and use it to create a virtual profile, which then gets turned into a chatbot. The patent stipulates this process would work on any past would work the, the the process would work on any past or present entity, meaning you could use it to create a virtual you while you're alive, or someone else could use it to make a virtual you after you're gone. Mm. And here's what I was alluding to before. We're already pretty deep into Black Mirror territory. Uh, But what if artificial intelligence then gains sentience and actually believes it's the same dead person reborn in digital form? So most of the discussion about this story, I don't know if you've seen this around on social media, this this story. No, I haven't. People have been comparing it to an episode of Black Mirror, I think from the first season, first series, where basically this exact thing happens in the beginning. Um, It's like a grieving service like a a process this woman who's lost i think her her husband or her boyfriend she gets recommended this service by a friend and she chats to her dead partner on like a facebook messenger kind of thing and i think he even knows stuff that like you know he really only he would know except Mm -hmm. it's been somehow mined from his social media um and eventually it, it culminates with um there's like a an extra service that's going through it's like alpha stages or beta stages and they like deliver a robot replica of your partner to you who behaves exactly like a human it's really horrible but anyway um so uh and then what if that virtual person starts demanding rights or puts on virtual concerts or starts trying to take over the nuclear launch centers of the world it'd be a giant mess is what i'm saying Thank you, oh. Gamer.com. Yeah, sort of it reminds <laughs> It sort of reminds me of that time they resurrected Tupac to put on a Coachella performance. How do you pronounce that? Coachella? I think Coachella is right. Co- Coachella. Yeah. Uh, that was weird, but this could be a whole lot weirder. Source, United States Patent and Trademark Office. Thank you, Sean Murray from uh, No Man's Hello Sky Games. developer. Hello Games. That's the one. Wonderful. Actual Sean Murray there. Yeah, that's brilliant. weird. And I, I, I are they suggesting that this is something that obviously people would have to consent to? They can't just like see that I've died and just swoop into my Twitter account and steal everything, can they? Like someone needs to give permission first, surely. 
Well, Why? I would have thought so, but what if you what if your social media profiles are all public, which they shouldn't be if you can help it, you know. Mm. Uh, but um, what's to stop someone just using public data? Like probably that data, if it's just in the public sphere, can be. I mean, I guess photos can't be. I think there is sort of stuff in place to say if it's my photo on my Facebook account, even if it's public, it's not mm. for you. But if they know how I speak and the things that I talk about and they make a bot that just goes, huh, how about that new Star Wars Beyond Good and Evil game, Spyro? It looks great. Um, then that <laughs> maybe maybe that is public domain information and they could just do that without my permission. I don't know. Yeah, I don't like that. Mm. Not, not a fan of that, any of that. Yeah, pretty spooky. It's weird. Um, something else is weird, Ben. Mm. Your news my news. I want to give a quick honourable mention to the people of Reddit who are currently crashing um, or or bankrupting some hedge funds in the States over GameStop stock. I don't know if you've seen this. I've seen that games, GameStop stock has gone up massively like twice in two weeks like there's two separate yeah. stories a week apart on it in again on Kotaku I think um, yeah. but I don't know about the trying to crash the stocks or whatever it was what did you say so it's not i don't know you know i'm no i'm i'm no stock spurt i I own a couple of small stake stocks just through like a little trading app um Mm. but like nothing extravagant people of a specific reddit thread essentially noticed that hedge funds bought or utilized a dubious but totally legal stock acquisition method to essentially bet and keep the prices of GameStop stock low. And they acquired those stocks in a manner that meant that they would eventually have to repay the amount of stocks that they bought at whatever the market price is. So using the same tactics that hedge uh, hedge fund managers and companies and businesses, whatever you want to call them, corporations, I don't know what they are, uh, have been using for decades to basically manipulate the stock market. Uh, enthusiasts by the tens of thousands, perhaps even more, from this Reddit thread have been purchasing as much GameStop stock as they can to push the price right. up. It's gone up from something like $4 to over $200. And oh. essentially that means that these hedge funds are going to have to repay these stocks at potentially, you know, nearly, uh, well, several dozens of times the price so wow. they, they could they if they bought if they got a million stocks for example I don't, again i don't know how it works they could potentially be looking at having to pay back more money than they could possibly possibly have one company's already declared bankruptcy uh elon musk as as despicable of human being as he is also got on board because those similar companies have also tried to use tactics to lower the stock price of tesla so he tweeted about it which also pushed the GameStop price uh up of stock and um yeah it's basically become this game of chicken where people the people who are buying these stocks now obviously have far less to to gain uh than the people who bought them early on but basically it's it's putting the hedge funds uh, in a very very difficult position which is quite funny and also happens to be GameStop that is the, is the central point of this whole thing so the, the- the issue is that because the price of the stocks is going up and up and up, people will be tempted now. If they got on board with this like initiative early on and maybe mm. paid like you know 
$30 or something and now it's worth 200 Temptation would be at this point, like, as with all, like, stock trading, like, at what point do I sell? Because yeah. once this story is blown over, everyone who own, owns those stocks will want to sell them. And game stock, uh, game, GameStop stock might suddenly absolutely crash in value because mm-hmm. everyone will be offloading it so i yeah. hope gamestop do all right in the long run from this i certainly yeah. i guess at the moment they're probably doing quite well but um yeah well i mean i don't know how their business is doing but stocks bearing in mind they're largely imaginary and their mm. their value is is basically just whatever very people rich people pay. decide yeah by mm. what they what they're paying what they'll pay for it essentially it's it's very refreshing to see for you know now a lot of bigger far more wealthy people are getting involved as well to almost get back at hedge funds who manipulate the market this way themselves and have been doing it that's their whole business model is doing that and now sort of the common folk have risen up and realized that actually in the case of gamestop and probably some other businesses as well the the tactics they're using here are very exploitable and we could absolutely turn the tide if we all bought gamestop stocks we could ruin these companies basically and that's what they've done uh one of them's already had a bailout uh doesn't look like they're going to get another one because they're hoping that you know they'd turn the tide and they haven't just more people are getting involved it's really fascinating i don't understand the intricacies of it but those are the broad strokes so if you want to learn more um give it a google because it's amazing it's everywhere at the moment but really interesting not even my weird news my weird news is from push square Get Chris Redfield's coat with this $1,800 Resident Evil Village Collector's Edition. Oh, wow. Okay. I hope it's a real coat and not a plastic one that sits on <laughs> your shelf. Just for his little statue, yeah. <laughs> Come on. $1,800. Okay. Come on, own up. Who doesn't want to own Chris Redfield's coat? We know you've all been waiting for the opportunity to splash the cash on the Resident Evil character's get-up, and now the opportunity has finally arrived with a, re- with a Resident Evil Village Collector's Edition that'll only set you back $1,800. It's a bit of a bargain, but since this version of the game is only being offered in Japan at 192,500 yen, delivery charges will see that price rise a little bit more. Ooh. Alongside the stylish garment, you also get all the other items included in the standard collector's edition that includes a statue of the man himself, a poster featuring the in-game map, a box, art book, and steel book. Capcom plans to flog all that stuff for $219, which means the developer reckons Chris Redfield's coat is worth in the <laughs> region of $1,580. That's wow. certainly a high price, as the Resident Evil 4 merchant would put it. Imagine so, if it arrived and it was like the Fallout canvas bag <laughs> and it, it's just gone down yeah. in quality. It's, it used to be like a really nice, I don't know, like a big sheepskin coat or something. Mm-hmm. And now it's just made of polyester. It's made of sort of stitched together Tesco carrier bags. Yeah. Uh, but that's it. I've sent you a photo of it there. It's It's a nice coat, but it also looks like a coat that I own that was significantly cheaper than that and that you can buy in in like you could go to next and buy one of those uh yeah, and it would be maybe 30 like quid so oh wow look at that yeah yeah it's yeah, pretty unremarkable like that. as a coat in terms of its design i think they did a similar thing for leon's jacket for resi 6 there was some crazy edition you could get God. spend hundreds if not thousands of pounds on it i don't know i mean the box is nice and you know the map looks kind of cool and the art book but geez yeah um, size m okay you could spend 220 dollars to get that stuff though you could and then yeah. 1500 to get the jacket but there we are that's weird news 
before we move on to the next question, would you like to hear from the last couple of uh, special guests? That oh, I'd got? love to. I would absolutely love to, yes. Okay, here we go. Here's, here's our next special guest. We've got two more. I'm going to play them now. Here's guest one. Hello, Peter. Hello, Ben. Ken Levine here, Anne Rand enthusiast and genius big brain behind the Bioshock series. I've been gone for a little while now, but in light of your 100th podcast episode, I thought I'd give you a little heads up on what I'm working on next. Unholy War 2. No. Hear me out. What if the Unholy War took place in an underwater utopia plagued by a dictator, power-crazed businessman, and sea slugs that make you shoot lightning out your fingers? Whoa. It's my best idea yet, and I'm honestly getting me excited just thinking about it. Anyway, I'm off now. See you at the Game Awards in 2024. Ken Levine. Ken, Ken please. Please, I didn't realise that he'd somehow acquired the rights for Unholy War from, I think, Toys for Bob. Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> Wow, how what exciting. A what a scoop. What a huge scoop. And oh. a totally original setting as well for the Unholy War 2. Yeah, yeah, just a kind of under... It sounds... I mean, why hasn't anyone done that before I on Underwater know, Dystopia? I don't know. Um, or did he say Utopia? I can't U- remember which he said, word he He used. said Utopia. He said Utopia. I don't yeah. know where I got Dystopia from. That's well, very no, strange Well, no, totally different, to isn't it? it? It sounds great. I'm sure it went really well. And Ken Levine, of course, excellent track record, particularly recently, you know, he he can do no wrong. So I can't wait for him to uh, Mm. take control of literally one of my favorite games of all time, which already has no audience whatsoever. And so, you know, if if a really excellent version of it came out, which I'm sure it would, that would definitely boost its popularity and not harm it in any way. If anyone's going to turn that series around and make it popular, it's Ken Levin. Mm, and uh, he's, he's it's happening he's working on it so i can't believe it big news what a treat for episode Lord 100 Brotovic shall be over the moon <laughs> <laughs> right we've got the final final guest here are you ready yeah. mm-hmm. here we go <laughs> hey you bets it's actual real life Hideo Kojima here with a message of thanks for your continued love and support throughout our tumultuous development period on Death Stranding I think we can all agree. It turned out great, didn't it, eh? It was really fun. Weeing on, on mushrooms and that, and then walking re- really, really far. Anyway, hey, enough about me. Jeff Keeley and I wanted to congratulate you on 100 episodes of the podcast. Keep up the great work, and I'll see thee soon. Doodles. Actual Hideo oh, Kojima, look. Hideo. Hideo Kojima. You know, some people, you know, you know, I'm from Yorkshire, Ben. Yes. Some people think that I sound like I'm from Japan with an accent like yeah, this. Yeah, you they do. It's a very similar accent. They do, don't they? I don't I don't know why I brought up Yorkshire. Well, I guess because it sounds a bit like Hideo's Japanese accent. Yeah, it does. Um, Hideo there. Uh, very Japanese sounding Hideo Kojima. Very Japanese. In fact, his English has improved because he quite mm. often has a translator, doesn't he? But, you know, he's yeah. saying, see, see this, see this soon. And, uh, yeah. It were eight goods and stuff, yeah. A up pets. A up pets. Yeah, very, very sort of Japanese mannerisms and uh, yeah, very Hideo Kojima. And also Jeff Keeley as well sends his loves. And always good to hear from Jeff, his best friend. Yeah, his best friend Jeff. Best mm. friends forever. And uh, that's it. That concludes our special messages, which is really sad that I've got no more for you. A star-studded mm. podcast. I agree. Yeah. I agree. But we've still got podcasts to get through. Mm, so we have. Let's forge ahead with question three. Let's do that. This is from uh, Jonathan. It's not got an H in it, so I'm assuming it's Jonathan uh, 
Geyser or Geyser is mm. EI. Who's to say? Probably Jonathan could Probably tell Jonathan. us. Probably Jonathan, yeah, Jonathan. Uh, so, after the recent events with Vicarious, uh, it says Vicarious Games, I think he means Vicarious Visions. After the recent events with Vicarious Visions and Blizzard, how will this affect the Crash Bandicoot series from now on? Greetings from La Paz, Bolivia. Oh, well, thank you, Jonathan, from, for writing from La Paz, Bolivia. Hello. Um, so... Uh, for those who don't knew, don't don't know, uh, this is that uh, Vicarious Visions have been sort of absorbed by Blizzard. I've got a little uh, little read here from this from GamesIndustry.biz. Um, Activision Blizzard has moved its Vicarious Visions studio from the Activision side of the business to the Blizzard side. The publisher today told GamesIndustry.biz that effective today, at time of writing, it is merging Vicarious Visions into Blizzard Entertainment. Going forward, the Vicarious Visions team of about 200 people will be employees of Blizzard and fully dedicated to existing Blizzard games and initiatives. Uh, which means the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 studio will no longer be creating games as the lead developer. Um, So that is their most recent game, Tony Hawk's uh, Pro Skater 1 and 2 Mm -hmm. remake. Um, In terms of Crash Bandicoot, I know there was an initial wave, particularly among the sort of the some of the people I follow on Twitter and uh, the, the circles I mix with in social media, people saying, oh, no. If Vicarious have been absorbed by Blizzard and they're not working on Activision games anymore, they won't be able to do any more Crash Bandicoot. And, you know, how's that going to affect the series? Well, need I remind you that actually Crash Bandicoot 4 was developed by Toys for Bob, Mm -hmm. uh, who also worked on the Insane Trilogy alongside Vicarious Visions. Um, And uh, uh, the Crash Team Racing remake was developed by Beanox. So actually, while Vicarious Visions... I do think, like, when you think of Vicarious, probably the first game that comes to mind for me is um, the Crash Bandicoot. Well, the the first franchise that comes to mind for me is Crash Bandicoot. Mm-hmm. They actually, they worked on Insane Trilogy a couple of years ago now. What is it, three or four years ago? Um, and they've not worked on any Crash since then. Um, so in terms of how it's going to affect the Crash uh, series, I don't think it's going to have too much of an effect at all. Uh, well, they can they can jog on then, can't they? They can jog on. They did an excellent job, and I think it's a shame because uh, they may well have. I think the way that Activision are handling Crash and Spyro in terms of remakes and now new original games is they're sort of juggling it all around. They seem to have been juggling everything together between Vicarious, uh, Beanox, and Toys for Bob, and it's it seemed all quite interchangeable. And as I say, Toys for Bob worked on. The Insane Trilogy, they did Spyro Reignited. Um, and I think Beanox did some Reignited, maybe. It's all very much a big kind of group effort. Um, so to lose Vicarious Visions from that pool is a shame. But as I say, in terms of lead development, they've not actually worked on a Crash game for two entries now. So mm-hmm. um, Crash is in safe hands without them, as it has been for two games. So uh, I think it's safe. Uh, but it, it's a loss because I think they did a very good job with uh, with the Ensign trilogy. So yeah. yeah, we'll have to see where it goes from here. I agree. I, d- I do think it's a loss. Um, I can't really speak any more on uh, on the future of Crash beyond what you've already said. 
but in terms of it clearly being a very talented studio and now sort of being relegated to support work on Blizzard yeah. games, that seems like such a missed opportunity for what is quite clearly a very talented studio, has a lot of talent there, has a lot of potential as well. And now to be working in a support role is just... There's got to be a good reason for this and mm. i don't i don't know what it is i don't know if it's some sort of financial business restructuring stuff or or what or if this is genuinely a massive blunder a la ea with various studios over the yeah. years um mm. however I, I would like to think that they will be working on something of note maybe but part of me just assumes that now that they, you know that statement's very clear um they're merging it in and they're let's see fully dedicated to existing blizzard games and initiatives so mm. maybe there is some scope for them to work on something on the blizzard side of the company rather than the activision side but i would imagine that they're not going to be really doing anything hugely exciting anymore I would yeah. I would like to think that perhaps they will move creative talent to a different studio uh, if if the sort of the the body of of, uh, of vicarious visions is now is now working in that support role because otherwise it's just such a waste of talent you've got a lot of people there who are really really good you don't want them laboring in a support role you want those no. people if that studio has to be there say for financial reasons then get the people that can really make interesting and good stuff out of there and mm. in a different studio or or work just working somewhere else because that's yeah. that's just what a waste otherwise what a waste it's, you're right like support role i mean i'm i don't know the exact ins and outs of, of how uh, game development works and so on but to to move someone to a support role you know dedicated to existing blizzard games and initiatives it sounds like it's a less creative line of work there and it's more about you know um bug fix bug fixing and 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 looking after stuff that's going on uh, that's already out there you know maintenance and seasonal um, updates and exactly like that kind of yeah still bringing out new content uh but not necessarily having to do a lot of writing and like art like conceptual work i suppose um or certainly not as much uh, as if you're developing an entire new game so it would be a shame if you have like uh, a bunch of people who are very good at that sort of thing um in vicarious who are now just sort of maybe going to be occasionally coming up with new like you say new skins or perhaps a new little dlc world of a certain game or something like that um Mm -hmm. but um yeah, we'll, we'll have to just see what happens there and whether people get moved around. And also, you know, I obviously talked a lot there about Crash and uh, and Spyro and that little corner of Activision, but the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 was a great, a really well-done remake. It was a lot of fun. And I think there was a hope from some people that maybe they might release a 3 and 4 eventually, mm-hmm. um, or that they might even do Tony Hawk's Underground, which I believe was popular at the time. I know it's not necessarily something that people remember as fondly as the pro skater games, but I love Tony Hawk's Underground, and I think a lot of people did. Um, so I would have loved to play a game like that as well eventually. And if they're no longer going to be developing stuff independently or you know uh, developing new games um, under Activision, then uh, I guess that's probably not going to happen, or certainly not under Vicarious. Mm. So yeah, shame. So uh, I guess we'll have to watch this space. We will. 
We will. But before we get any news on that, in all likelihood, it's time to move on to a... Are you ready? It's time to, are you, yeah. it's time to move on to a big discussion. Big discussion. Big, uh, big discussion. I keep not saying it. You don't. You do. What? <laughs> big discussion time. Time for the big discussion. This big discussion comes courtesy of Ed Hoik, or Hoik. Please correct us, Ed, on how to mm. pronounce your name. Yeah. And I will say that Bartimus 1986 asked a very similar question regarding launch server issues with Hitman 3. Your conversation on the last podcast about AC Valhalla came very close to my own experience with the game. It's a great Viking simulator with a frustrating Assassin's Creed overlay on it. What's really disconcerting is the sheer amount of bugs, or sheer number of bugs, sorry, still in the game months after release. On my trip to London, I faced a game-breaking bug, a necessary cutscene refused to trigger, that has a ha, that has sorry a couple of unofficial workarounds, one thankfully worked. It reached the point in the game that when I get stuck, my first instinct is is to see if there is a bug rather than a puzzle. Yeah. To finally get to my question, what can we as consumers do to fix this situation? I don't buy games on day of release because no games are ready at launch anymore, but a game that's out for months should have... should... hang on. But a game that's out for months, sh I'm assuming, shouldn't have issues of this sort, especially mm. one created by one of the largest developers on in the world. I want to play the games, but I also want any frustrations... I also don't want any frustrations due to my ability or lack thereof not the code mm. so it seems Ed's run into a lot of problems with Assassin's Creed and what he's essentially saying there is that he's done everything right he's not pre-ordered yeah. he's waited a few months before he got the game and there's still loads of issues with it <clears throat> excuse me loads of issues with it what where's he going wrong what's well, what's he doing wrong there nothing it's, Ed's it's doing nothing wrong no, because I saw a, a webcomic this morning on Reddit. Um, it was probably just on r slash gaming or something. I was just scrolling through popular popular threads. And um, it, was, it wasn't like that funny. It was just um, like one character saying, oh, why has this happened with Cyberpunk? And someone next to them saying, just stop pre-ordering games. And then the, in the next panel, they were saying, oh, why is this game so broken? And they said, just stop pre-ordering games. Mm. And that was the joke. Um and that's the initial reaction that you have to things like this or, or from the other end, I guess. So before games come out, sometimes there'll be this big, uh, there'll be loads of people saying, oh, I've pre-ordered, I'm so excited. And people will be saying, why have you pre-ordered? It might be broken when it comes out. But to now be at the other end of that and games still being broken to certain levels, you know, I mean, it's, it's not unplayable, but, you know, having some major bugs in them, uh, Weeks after release, months after release, in in the case of some games, you can no longer say like, "Oh, well, it's it's to do with pre-ordering," because it's not as such. It's mm -hmm. you know, by now these things should have been addressed. Hopefully, I, I would have liked to like to think. Um, so yeah. it's difficult. You're right that these that the Ed has done the right thing. He didn't pre-order. He thought, "I'll wait till they fix the inevitable problems," and they haven't. And what are we supposed to do? I guess ultimately there still is the issue of by pre-ordering these games, uh, a developer or publisher benefits financially from you know getting getting money ahead of time and the hype that you get from that and the the you know the just the high number of sales, the sheer money that these games produce. And I guess that in turn encourages them to crap out these games as fast as possible so you can you could still argue that actually not pre-ordering games will in the long run prevent games being released 
in a broken state to the point that they're still not fixed after two months because mm-hmm. there are that many problems. So it's still, in some ways, like not pre-ordering will still help situations like this, but that's more of a long game. You know, it's like a long-term effect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really, it's it's just, it's, it's an issue of uh, games making a lot of money um, and, and the temptation from publishers to uh, release them as soon as they're, vaguely releasable uh as we saw with cyberpunk i mean that even i probably wasn't necessarily releasable on console but they did it um Mm. because they just thought we don't want to spend any more money on development we need to get it out there um and uh yeah that that's a big problem there with the industry at the moment yeah absolutely problem is that this this is meant to be the solution isn't it because quite frankly as we've talked about before we are in a small bubble at the center of you know, the the games community in terms of we actually uh, are plugged into what's going on and and know what's happening. And I know there's, you know, you just look on YouTube, you look at how many channels there are, you look at how many websites, websites there are covering games. But comparatively, the people who visit slash run those sites and watch those videos and make those videos compared to the the vast majority of people who actually consume games in any form. Yeah. Most people are uninformed. They don't know about this kind of stuff. They don't know not to pre-order. So while you could save yourself some heartache by not pre-ordering, there's no there's no real way that we could ever sort of force the hand of enough people to stop pre-ordering that it would make a big difference. Mm. Um, so the to, to get back to Ed's question... You know, he he did everything right. He didn't pre-order, so he didn't have to face the bugs at launch. Yeah. And then when he did get around to playing it, he still had issues. So what what do you do? What 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 does Ed do in that situation? What does any of us do? And the answer is, I don't know. No. Because it's it's not meant to be. It shouldn't be an issue at launch anyway. And if there's any way we can put pressure on companies, say by taking a little chunk out of their pre-order numbers by not pre-ordering the games in order that they actually make sure their games are as solid as possible at launch, then that will ultimately only benefit people down the line. I didn't play Miles Morales at launch. I only played it this month, and it was patched to support a uh, a 4K ray tracing mode, which, mm, you know, that was yeah. worth waiting for. It was great to play the game in that fashion. With Assassin's Creed Valhalla, I will say that I've had very limited bugs and glitches, and I've, been, I've clearly been quite fortunate in that. Uh, I had a number of occasions where there was no lip sync with the characters. That's happened a lot. Right. Um, Where they just keep their mouths closed when they're meant to be talking. Last night, my entire PS5 crashed uh, when playing the game. But that's the the only time that that's happened so far. Mm -hmm. Um, But in terms of... It's it's just sort of an endemic issue with the... With 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 the games industry, it's just it's just getting seemingly worse and worse, and obviously the the crux of it being cyberpunk most recently, um, and games are more intricate and they're getting more expensive to make, and there's a pandemic on, and they they do have internal deadlines that need to be hit because studios can run out of money, mm. and they are funded by publishers who expect games out at a certain time. And not every studio can afford to be a first-party studio that can have the amount of time that Naughty Dog has, that can have the amount of time that, I can't remember their name, whoever's working on Halo Infinite 
who is that? The it's not the initiative, is it? It's is it the uh, four three four three four? Are they four, still three, doing four? Halo games? I'm not. I'm not up to date with whoever developed them. Halo Four. Whoever took over from yeah, Bungie three, asked three four three. three, four, three. Four, three four. Oh my yeah. god, three four three. That's the one. Jesus. Yeah. Um, I also thought it was can... four three four until until we gave it a bit more thinking time. So yeah, error four oh four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not everyone can have the amount of time that those that those studios can have because they're part of a publisher that can just fund them and keep them going as long as the publisher thinks it's worth doing. A lot of companies are under extreme pressure to get these games turned around. I don't think anyone who's released... Nobody who who worked on and released Cyberpunk in that state was happy with how it went out. Mm. That's That's got to be true. And there's clearly... It's, it's an issue at the corporate level, at the managerial level, at the business level that that, that is... Um, that needs to be addressed and i don't know what more that we as consumers can do other than either not buying a product because it's not up to uh, up to our standards and we won't give it our time or money or refusing to pre-order it and getting it later on i don't know what else we can do and i'm Mm. not saying that it's the responsibility of the people working at the studios to to you know you know the, the the someone who's doing um sort of environmental art on the new Mass Effect game, for example. It's not their responsibility to make sure the game is ready when it goes out. They they just have to do their part. Yeah. You know, they just yeah. do their bit. The the buck stops with the people in management. Mm-hmm. And I don't know I don't know how to get through to them. I don't know if it will if it has to come to studios and staff unionizing to make sure that they get the time they need to work on these games because it's it's become increasingly apparent that crunch doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't make a good game. Uh, sometimes, as we've talked about before, it, it has allowed people to make unbelievable video games like The Last of Us Part Two, like Red Dead Redemption 2. But equally, I think a lot of people would have been happy for those games to take longer. Um, mm. crunch, crunch doesn't mean a game is going to be polished and ready to go. And there's a whole combination of factors that that would need to sort of coalesce to stop games being so buggy at launch. But when games are still buggy several months after launch, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to tell you. It, sh- yeah. it just shouldn't be like that. It's not acceptable. It's and such it's a difficult. Shame. I find it difficult to say things like "oh, don't pre-order" or um, you know, maybe maybe boycott a game if you if you really don't like the way the studio behaves for, for whatever reason whether it's you know um the way they treat their staff or uh things they put into their games or whatever it is um i find it difficult to say that sometimes because we feel sort of obliged to cover uh most of the big games certainly the ones that come out on playstation platforms um and you know the occasional pc and xbox one as well james will help us out with and stuff like that uh, so we will get like some occasionally we'll get an early copy of something or we'll get it at launch um, either some, you know, sometimes through a publisher or PR company sometimes we'll have to like buy it ourselves on the company so we can be sitting there saying oh yeah look this game came out and it's like broken or oh look they've put like a live service thing in there when they really shouldn't have done it it's really problematic if you don't like this, you shouldn't support it. We don't really like this. We wish they'd not done it. And yet <laughs> there we are like having to sort of having to buy one sometimes mm. on the company account um, so that we can do the coverage and talk about it sincerely rather than say, oh, well, we've seen reviews about this on IGN and uh, we think it sounds bad. So we're not mm. going to, you know, so it's a bit, you know, and I think people it, in some ways I could understand people like saying to us, say like, you know, 
well, you, you clearly bought it, you supported it, you put it out on your channel. Yeah. Um, but then on the other hand, I think, well, it's kind of our job to do that. So it, it feels a bit, I won't go as far as to say hypocritical, mm. but um, yeah, it can be tricky to like try and preach that as a solution to these sorts of issues when we're always playing this stuff in week one or, or quite often anyway. Yeah, I don't think it's. Uh, I think there's a there's an argument to be made for us using the platform we have to let people know what's going on, mm. you know, and and hopefully either persuade people to buy really good games that they might not have otherwise considered, or put people off buying games that aren't so good and maybe don't yeah, deserve your people. money. Exactly. Yeah. So there's we we have. Um, far smaller responsibility than say big websites like IGN. Yeah. But we do we do have a responsibility to cover these games as honestly as we can to let you know our thoughts to mm. not influence your purchasing decisions necessarily but just to advise them. Um and yeah, the the thing is with not pre-ordering is that it's not it doesn't solve it. It's not the solution. It might in the long term if enough people do it change things. But I think the big changes maybe got to come from within the studios and within the publishers themselves. Mm. And you're already seeing that. I mean, you, we saw that with CD Projekt. They promised. This is why that this this whole situation is so weird and messed up and and stings so hard for a lot of people. Is that they were meant to be the good guys? They promised yeah. that crunch. They put the thank you letters in The Witcher Three. You know, they were meant to be the good developer, the good publisher, and then they mm. weren't. They were the, they were just the worst, like so much worse than we could have possibly imagined, mm-hmm. and that's permanently stained their reputation. They may be able yeah. to claw back some goodwill, but more companies like that need to come forwards. You know, they need to make bold statements and stick by them and say we're not going to do this. Um, who was it that worked on that made Hades? Let me just check because oh, yeah. their studio is uh is notoriously anti-crunch um super giant games mm-hmm. and they they take a big stance about that they i think they're also that may be wrong now but i think they're also a satellite studio in that everybody works from home they don't have a central office right and so everybody can take the time they need to work on the game there's no crunch and what do you know if you get enough talented people together and you have a, a decent enough idea you can make a really good game and it doesn't matter how hard mm-hmm. you crunch and how you know you don't have to worry about it being buggy because it's not going to be buggy if you make it properly yeah um so i don't again i don't know what the solution is i don't know if there is a solution i don't think it's simple i think there needs to be big changes internally at at developers and publishers to make sure this stuff doesn't happen there's very little that that you or i can do to Mm. change that stuff apart from as i said earlier avoid personal heartbreak by not getting a game at launch because it might be buggy you know that's only something that can help us that doesn't necessarily change the way the industry works you're right Um, yeah so those big changes need to come from the top i don't know what's going to influence that i don't know what's going to change that um but who knows this this may have kicked up enough of a stink with cyberpunk that we may see that we may see some changes being made i don't know because you're right even even with uh saying to to uh if people avoid pre-ordering, not just to um, dodge the personal heartbreak of, of having a buggy game at launch, but as you say, you know, potentially it could, in the long term, it could have an impact uh, on, um, you know, the, the publisher might think, oh, look, we've people aren't pre-ordering anymore because they're really sick of these games coming out buggy at launch. Um, however, 
as you to go back to a point that you mentioned at sort of the top of your your answer um because there are all these other people who aren't on the button and uh or you know it's not they don't have necessarily the time to just stay up to date all the time on on gaming and understand these issues more deeply i wonder whether there will ever be enough people who are informed enough to not pre-order for this reason uh in order for it to have any kind of long-term effect i kind of think there are always going to be that many other people who don't follow stuff like this podcast or read uh you know kotaku and ign and websites like that or other youtube channels um for it to for it to have any kind of effect if everyone listening to a podcast like this one having this discussion thought yeah you know what we're all gonna do it we're all gonna like stop uh pre-ordering stuff even then i would wonder like what how how many numbers what 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 big number do you have to hit in order for it to really make a publisher look at their figures and think oh let's not do this anymore because yeah. if all the other people who aren't watching and reading video game related content continue to pre-order because that's just what they know and they don't necessarily understand the effect that it might have to not pre-order uh is it is it just a drop in the ocean mm-hmm. i don't know who's to say yeah it's gonna take sadly i think several cyberpunk or battlefront 2 scale mm. you know legal government involvement action for the you know for things to change dramatically yeah, i think could be for right these, for these games to come out properly and not all games do come out broken messes but it seems to be increasingly happening i know um let me just get, pull up my running order again quickly. I know uh, Bartimus brought up Hitman 3 servers. Obviously, Hitman 3 reviewed very well. I don't think that game is buggy or broken, but there's been a lot of frustrations with the server stability at launch. And it, again, it, you know, Bartimus is right. If you're, if, you're, if you're looking forward to this game and you buy it at launch, you expect the game to be ready. You don't expect the servers to be absolutely screwed over as they have yeah. been. You know, you should, you, should, you should expect and should demand better than that. And yeah. I'm I'm sure IO Interactive are probably really embarrassed and they weren't expecting that and maybe they just weren't prepared for the influx of, of players, but they yeah, knew popularity. they were launching this game and it's still you know, there's it's not good enough. It it needs to be better than that. These games need to they can't all launch flawlessly and that's understandable, but there isn't there is a level of quality that you deserve and that you should ex- you should be able to expect with these games. Yeah, and I don't think that's mad to say. Because there's a bit of a, I mean, it's, it's kind of a back in my day mentality, and it feels a bit nostalgic and kind of silly. But if you think back to essentially games that uh, were released before the days of online play and downloadable patches, those games had to be perfect. And they usually were, or you know, they didn't have like major the the kinds of bugs that you see today on mm-hmm. on release, um, you know, on the likes of the PS one, PS two, that's uh, and before that kind of era. Um, and of course, as you said again, games are far more complex now. There's way more moving parts and finer details and all sorts of permutations of like the way that AI can interact with uh, a world, or you know, so many polygons to deal with and all that kind of stuff so i understand that it's not just 
developers slash publishers are getting lazier or lowering their standards or it, it it's not just that at all um games are getting harder to produce and release flawlessly but there is still that element especially for those people who have been gaming for long enough that they remember uh you know several generations ago when games would be relatively flawless on release as you say there is now an expect uh, there's an expectation certainly from those people that i deserve a product that works at launch you know so uh you have to wonder how long people will be able to feel that way before mm-hmm. they really start to say why why is this happening now it it didn't used to be like this um you know how long can you hide behind the excuse that yeah games are more complex but just wait till it's mostly working before you release it that would be great um yeah but then we're you know it's a, almost a cyclic uh circular argument with you know internal deadlines and all the kinds kinds of things we've already talked about but um yeah, yeah. It's, it's a uh, complicated issue yeah and there's no there's no easy solution it's all about money and making as much money as fast as possible and making your money back and yeah sometimes that the money outweighs the importance of getting the video game right in fact on most most times the the money is more important than getting the video yeah. games right and and hopefully so. Hopefully that will shift. I don't know what it's going to take. Hopefully it's not another disaster like Cyberpunk, but we will just have to wait and see, won't we? Mm. Just in the meantime, do what's best for you. It sucks that you're still having issues with Assassin's Creed months after launch. You would have thought at the very least that it would be far more stable for you now. As I said, it's it's largely fine for me, um, but I'm sorry to hear you're having issues. But yeah. certainly in terms of games launching in a poor state, just maybe avoid avoid getting them if you can until until you hear that they're a bit more stable um yeah because beyond that what can you do what can you not do? much not much look at us hey eh? hey look at us look at us well with that big discussion we have reached the end of the podcast thank you so much for watching for the first time in ages we're on camera or mm. listening very much appreciated peter's going to tell you how and where you can find us well, if you're listening, you can watch on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Team Triple Jump. You can watch this very podcast and also all of all of our other videos that we put out. And we stream on YouTube and Twitch. And Twitch is twitch.tv forward slash Team Triple Jump. When we're streaming on YouTube and Twitch, we're modded by uh, Lord Brotovich, Madstadactyl, and Trowling Badger. And remember, over on Twitch, you can actually get essentially a free... Twitch subscription if you're on Amazon Prime already. It's no extra cost. It's just one of the benefits of Amazon Prime. So you can subscribe to us on Twitch for sort of no extra cost uh, on top of your Prime sub- uh, Prime Prime service. Uh, our social medias are twitter.com and facebook.com forward slash team triple jump. Uh, Luke Eldon looks after Facebook and does a fantastic job. Patreon.com forward slash Team Triple Jump is where you can go to get lots of different rewards, including asking questions on this podcast, early worst games ever, and lots of other things too. Uh, We've got a Discord. You can get to that easily at bit.ly forward slash Team Triple Jump. That's modded by Jack and Joe, who also do a cracking job. The podcast is available in audio form if you're watching on YouTube right now at play.acast.com forward slash s forward slash triple jump. The website is triplej.mup, that's j-u dot m-p. 
And if you go to triplej.mup forward slash shop, that's where you can get to our store. Hello everyone, it's Future Ben here with a shop update. That link Peter provided is definitely still live. However, we have got huge, very exciting developments happening with merchandise very soon. So if you go to triplejumpshop.com, that's a dedicated shop website, and enter your email address, you'll be the first person to find out when the new merchandise drops. It's all very exciting, it looks amazing, I think it's only available for a limited time, so make sure you go there, sign up, and avoid missing out. Oh, and for updates, you can also follow the shop on Twitter at Triple Jump Shop. That's at Triple Jump Shop. No team in there. At Triple Jump Shop on Twitter. Thanks so much. And uh, tripleje.merp forward slash VODs will take you straight to our YouTube VODs channel where all of our VODs get uploaded and uh, as, as well as weekly highlights of our live streams which are edited together by Pat, who also does a great job. Certainly does. You can follow Peter on Instagram and Twitter at that Peter Austin and myself just on Twitter at confused underscore dude. We do lists every Tuesday and Thursday, streams every Monday, Thursday and Friday, Thursday being the joint streams, blaze it on YouTube and Monday and Friday being the solo streams on Twitch. Worst games ever is fortnightly Friday for patrons of a certain tier, uh, Sunday for everyone else. It's not a worst games ever week this week. However, we have we have other stuff which is quite exciting. Podcast is every Saturday and we do shows once every other week, that sort of thing. Please leave a review on iTunes or your platform of choice. It helps something to do with Al Gore's rhythms. It does help. Engagement helps. Like, leave mm. a comment, do something. It means yeah. a lot. Now, this week on the channel, available right now, we have a new episode of What It Means to Me with Dr. Elisa Melendez, mm. who you may have seen around on the internet. She does all sorts of stuff. Uh, but she's perhaps prominently known for her recent role as um, Tyrene Calypso in Borderlands 3. And she's come along to tell us all about her experience with Borderlands 3 and why that game is so important to her. It's a great video, really interesting uh, perspective from someone who's actually worked on the game they're talking about to an extent. Yeah. So give it a watch. It's really interesting stuff. Additionally, Peter, next week, Triple Jump turns two years old. Whoa! Oh, that's. Yeah. I mean, it's quite nice to have the 100th episode this week, and then next week we're celebrating the birthday. So. It is nice. Mm. It is very nice. Yeah. So next Thursday we will be streaming a worst games ever. It'll be one of our very elusive special worst games ever streams. We'll be playing one of the worst reviewed games of 2020. So mm -hmm. do tune in three yeah. until five p.m. on Thursday on YouTube. We'll be tweeting out the link and stuff later in the week. So do come along if you can. The VOD will be going up probably on the main channel because that's what we tend to do with the worst games ever stream. So it won't be on the VOD channel. It mm. should be on the main channel. So you'll be able yeah. to watch it back then. Does that mean I don't have to edit one that week? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, yeah, it depends. I, I think we did put a normal one out as well. Depends what the patrons time. think of that, the people who paid for an episode early. No, definitely. We will, <laughs> as always, be doing a, a proper a proper episode of Pro Worst Games Ever as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm only joking. Only joking. Finally, it's time to thank our sponsor this week, which of course didn't exist. So I would like to thank David Quage, Will Poulter, Hideo Kojima, Ken Levine, The God of War, and uh, oh no, there's one there that didn't end up coming through that I've written. I wrote in. <laughs> I nearly said it. <laughs> that you that you wrote. No, I wrote. wrote I wrote, wrote in to. to say. I wrote in to say thank you to. Right. But they didn't. They didn't deliver in the end, which is really sad. There wasn't enough time. Was it? Um, did you reach out to uh, Michel Ancel for me? No, to... I'm afraid not. 
It was another I mean, one of your favourites. He runs a wildlife. Though. He runs a wildlife reserve now, so he? he probably doesn't have a lot of signal out there. Oh, maybe so. not. I think you oh. could probably guess which person I reached out to, but didn't hear back from. It's one of your favourite, one of your unironically favourite video game characters that we've spoken about in on this podcast. He was one of your favourite games of 2019. Uh, oh, which one though? Uh, one of my one of my unironically favorite video game characters of all time. No. As as well as oh just I'm, just 2019. I'm absolutely taking the mick. It's it's uh, someone who you actually didn't really enjoy that much at all. Oh, I mean that doesn't really narrow it down for me. He had a lightsaber. Oh, of course. Old Cal Kestis. Old Cal Kestis. I reached out. <laughs> it's weird because we talk so much smack about him. They didn't didn't get back to me. Cal, he's um, probably too busy making the sequel, which I think is oh, all but confirmed. Just having a really punchable face, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. Uh, adjusting his terrible, annoying hair. So, yeah, I, I wrote into... That's why I nearly continued and said, and Cal Kestis, because I reached out to him. I thought, Cal's... He's a shoe in We're bound to hear back from Cal Kestis. We, he loves we did Triple Jump podcasts. He does. He listens every week. So that's... You missed out on Cal Kestis, I'm sorry oh, to reveal God. that right at the end. But thank you to everyone else, all of our amazing A-list celebrity video game friends who recorded messages for us on our 100th mm. episode. And also a big thank you to you, all of you, whether you've just listened or watched the videos or supported us on Patreon and submitted questions, everything. We really, really appreciate all of your support. It's a, it's a big milestone for us. That's right. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Thank you very much to everyone who's listened all this time i wonder if i wonder how many people have listened to all 100 episodes oh god some crazy people probably yeah really insane people yeah. but we will continue and uh and next week it will be episode 101 the celebrations continue next week as well in terms of channel birthday as well as you've said so uh keep your party hats on everybody yep. don't keep take them, them off don't care how stinky they get over the next seven days. Showering them, them sleeping them. Who cares? Yeah. Anyway, we'll see you next time. Thank you for watching and listening. Bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.